This is Inchitech Perspectives with Bolt and for episode seven, we're looking ahead to the new year. Once again, I'm joined by Jim Duane, Bolt's CEO, and David Brandeis, Bolt's Senior Vice President for Customer Success. And by the way, this is a bit of a two-parter, so you may well want to listen to last month's episode if you haven't done so already. Anyway, coming up, we talk about how a changing industry has helped Bolt define some of its real strengths. What I didn't realize, Fiona, when you and I were speaking last, was from a Bolt perspective, how much of a differentiator that is for us. Plus, we talk about how all of us engage with insurance. Everybody likes digital, they like the concept, but there's still a good amount of people. And to be frank with you, there are a lot of people between 24 and 54 that are also picking up the phone and want help, they want to talk to people. We talk about one trend in particular. It is very, very far from saturation. As a matter of fact, I go so far as to say we're just on the cusp of this really beginning to take hold. And above all else, these two industry veterans gave me so much to think about this year. One thing I will tell you is I feel even more strongly about it now. Please don't miss this chat because it includes so many brilliant gems. Oh, and happy new year, by the way. Episode seven, it's landed. So Jim, David, moving on from the last episodes, look back over 2021. I do want to speak a little bit about things you're either preempting or looking forward to in 2022. Certainly, I've noticed that the internet is awash with opinions on the future of insurance. And these points of view are generally geared towards new technologies. But speaking from personal experience, I feel that too many brands underestimate the value of human interaction. And I also think it's a bit of a myth that younger consumers want purely online engagements and, let's say, over 50s, for example, only respond to face-to-face. I think we're far more complex than our age group. So for me, the innovative forward-facing insurer is the one that really understands and optimizes what human conversation can do. And Jim, there was one part of your very first Bolt episode with me that I had a lot of positive feedback on. And that's what you referenced as the myth of the digital journey. Can we, first of all, dig a little bit deeper on this theme, as I I really love hearing you talk about this. So you're exactly right. I talk a lot about the myth of the digital journey, but one thing I will tell you is I feel even more strongly about it now. Mm. The way I like to think about it is there is this continuum. And on one end of the continuum, you have that small population of people who are 100% comfortable operating 100% digital 100% of the time. Then on the other end of the spectrum, you have my mother who won't even buy a phone and refuses to use a computer. And she prefers to do everything face to face. She wants telephone conversations, not texts. Now, it's a continuum, however, and there's people all along that continuum and that the trade off between digital and human. What I didn't realize, Fiona, when you and I were speaking last was from a Bolt perspective, how much of a differentiator that is for us. Because as we talk about all the time, fundamentally what Bolt is, is people and technology. And our people are there in support of our technology. 
Our people are there to help our customers who know they want to embrace the digital future, who know they want to invest in technology, but the reality of it is they don't exactly know how to do it. So yeah. it's really, really powerful for us to have people. The people are sales agents, our service professionals, our underwriters, our technology team. It's really important to have those four constituencies there to kind of hold the hands of our customers who need it regardless of how much they need. So we have some customers that are highly dependent on our team. And we have other customers that quite frankly are only dependent upon our technology team and some customer support. Very minimal mm. touch, and they're primarily technology. So I feel even more strongly about not just the concept, but I feel really strongly about what a differentiator and a moat, if you will, it's become for us as an organization. Yeah, David, do you have any thoughts to build on that? Yeah, I mean, I think to Jim's point, we work with several companies that are giving us literally thousands of leads a month. We call it placement as a service, and it really is much more around old-fashioned, pick up the phone, dial, place the business, and get paid than it is the digital experience of how they did it. And all these leads are people that were attempting to do things online that got frustrated and quit the journey and want help and being transferred to us and we place it. Everybody likes digital, they like the concept, but there's still a good amount of people. And to be frank with you, there are a lot of people between 24 and 54 that are also picking up the phone and want help. They want to talk to people. So I, yeah. I'm a strong proponent of that. And to David and his team's credit, a lot of those folks that are leveraging that placement of service are actually also our software customers. Mm, interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. And again, we are certainly more complex than our age groups. And also, and I think David this is one for you, but Jim, chime in too. As a consumer, if I buy online and I don't understand the wording of a product, I will lose trust and I'll drop off. So I also feel that the insurers that want to digitize have two choices, either simplify your language, your wording, or hire really good humans and train them up so they can verbally explain the complicated stuff. Do you ever have these types of conversations with your partners at Bolt? All the time. I've used this example, I'm sure, before with you, and I know Jim's heard it a million times. The greatest example we can give people is people, they start doing homeowners online. They get to the question of the value of your home. And the value of the home is determined as replacement cost. What is the cost to replace the house from the ground up? But the problem is most people, especially in this crazy times, are looking at their house as market value. What's the deemed market value of what you can get paid or what you buy the house for? And so people see a number, let's say a dollar, and they know they paid $2 for the house and they literally get very scared and they begin running through their head about what happens if I buy this and I have a claim, am I not gonna get paid? Am I gonna have to pay the mortgage off that way? And that's why they wanna talk to people. And really there's only one line of business that we see in the United States that really has true throughput and that's renters because mm. it's been so compartmentalized as to what it is. But all the other lines of business, people just get nervous and you can give commercial or personal lines, it's the same thing. So that's where it really does pay for us to have the ability to have our technology is fantastic, but our human support, our distribution support is even better. Yeah. And the other interesting theme is this idea that insurance as an industry is 
really opening itself up to new and exciting partnerships. And Jim, we talked about the democratization of insurance and the fact that if you have a customer base, you can very easily bolt insurance onto whatever it is that you do. And that's very much the direction of travel for a lot of non-insurance brands. I know that Bolt is leading the way in enabling these non-insurers to offer highly relevant, contextualized insurance products. I'm guessing that this hasn't reached saturation point yet, or has it? Where do you see this headed? Oh, absolutely not. No, you're exactly right, Fiona. It is very, very far from saturation. As a matter of fact, I go so far as to say we're just on the cusp of this really beginning to take hold. So lots and lots of opportunity in front of the industry to embrace this concept of embedded insurance. One of the things, though, since we do deal with it day in and day out, There's a lot of learnings that David and myself and the rest of the Bolt team have gone through over the past couple of years. One of them is not every embedded insurance sale opportunity is a good one. There's got to be a series of characteristics of that transaction or of that situation that exists. The first one is intent. So if you're trying to sell insurance as a non-insurance enterprise, because from a timing perspective or from a situation perspective, there is an opportunity to do so. You know, think about when you buy a house, you get a mortgage and you have to buy homeowner's insurance. That's a kind of the easiest example to make. But there has to be meaningful intent on the part of the person in that transaction to have success. The second one is time, right? Is it the logical time? It's harder to sell homeowner's insurance. It's harder to sell workers' compensation insurance when the timing isn't right. If your mortgage is not up or your homeowner's renewal is not up, it's really hard to sell that homeowner's policy. So timing matters. And then the third one, actually, it, it speaks to a point you made previously when you and David were talking about the ease, as it were, and that is it has to be painless, right? It has to be painless, or to your point, Fiona, and David's point, it has to be human enabled that makes people feel comfortable. So I think the industry's learning a lot about how to be successful. And I do believe that more and more you're going to see insurance products offered at very opportune times so that the customers that are offering it are getting all the financial benefits, increased lifetime value of the customer, increased revenue, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And what about some of the bigger firms, some of the biggest names are now hitching a ride on the insurance train? Ford and uh, Tesla are moving into auto. I think Amazon is selling small business insurance and Apple and Google are moving or have moved into the market too. How do you see these types of players fitting into the family? And are they welcome? (laughs) More to the point. Yeah, no, of course they're welcome. Absolutely. You know, the water is warm. Come on in the pool. You know, (laughs) in, in many respects, they have the same opportunities and challenges as the rest, as the smaller ones. They also, however, I think they have some advantages, right? Some of the larger, the Teslas, the Googles, the Amazons, et cetera, they've got some built-in advantage. You know, first and foremost, they have scale, right? So they've got lots and lots of scale from which to earn new customers. The second thing is they've got leverage, right? A lot of these customers have closed ecosystems of, say, sellers, people who are selling stuff on a certain site, and they've got leverage with those sellers. And if they want to, say, you are not able to sell your wares through us unless you have purchased this type of insurance. It gives them some pretty important leverage. It also, by the way, is an important from their risk management perspective to have those types of protections in place. And then thirdly, something they have that perhaps some of the smaller or emerging or startup companies don't have is just the resources to invest, experiment, 
innovate, fail mm. fast, those types of things. So certainly they're welcomed. You know, from our perspective, we actually view every single one of them as a possible customer or partner. Mm-hmm. We get really excited about that. But they do have a bit of an advantage because of their size and scale. Yeah. David, any thoughts there? I see it positively in the sense that we have opportunity. What we see is a lot of folks that are younger in terms of experience. And they also, to be brutally frank, as I always am, they believe that Mm -hmm. they don't need insurance experience to turn insurance on its ear. And, you know, I think what they find is there's a lot more to it than they thought. And it grew, Jim, we see everyone as a customer because when they fail, we're there to pick them up and we get asked to do it a lot. And I'll give you a simple example. We can provide carriers to them, we fulfill it, or we can build the actual web experience that they know, the user experience. And a lot of them will be like, no, 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 I don't need your help on the user experience. I got that. You just give Mm -hmm. me the carrier return things. And then they come back to you when they do it and they're not getting the returns they want. And Jim kind of told the story earlier. And then they're all of a sudden telling you, well, what if you were to take it over and help us run it correctly and help us get it so we actually get stuff back? It's a good example that experience matters. And one of the things about Bolt, I think it's important to emphasize is we have great technology, but we have really, really solid insurance experience. Jim's been in the business 33 years. I've been in the business for about 34, 35 years. And all of our people are insurance executives, insurance folks that have been hired. They have an understanding of how insurance works, how it gets done. And that's important because you can be really good at technology, but you do have to understand insurance for what it is. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. I mean, human intellectual capital is important too because it is a complex and highly regulated industry. So, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Let me ask you about new products. I read over the last 30 years that the insurance industry has created less than five new product classes. I'm slightly conflicted as an insurance customer on what I want because, as one example, I was reading about a company called Beam that offers a smart toothbrush that tracks how well customers take care of their teeth and then provides personalized insurance plans based on this teeth brushing data. And I think Allstate piloted a program called MileWise that responds to good driving habits. That's almost like an old thing now, isn't it? By adjusting driver's insurance rates each week. But I've also read that many consumers would rather pay higher premiums and not share their data. And I kind of fluctuate between the two. So what are your thoughts on all of this? Do you think that insurers need to catch up to our modern life and create more products or, or not? And, and if so, are consumers ready for all of this? Innovation, advancement, it's not going away. But the traditional models are not going away either. And from mm-hmm. my perspective, choice is good. Yeah. If people are comfortable giving up their data, one of the applications of this is use-based insurance. Not everyone's comfortable with that. I think that's okay. Traditional should be available, but invariably, the train's left the station. Mm. It's here. And I think we have a responsibility as a technology company to embrace all of it. We started talking to some of these companies a long time ago. And slowly but surely, we kind of see the trend coming. And I believe that for the foreseeable future, both models will exist. But this new use-based approach or data-based approach here to stay. And by the way, super exciting. Mm, Yeah. David? I think Jim is spot on. From my perspective, the ability for people to have choice in how they not only buy products, but what types of products. It's been big in Asia, and it's now finally coming to the U.S. where they can buy very specific coverage for events or tickets missing. 
I think it's been slow to be adopted in the U.S., but I do think it's taking off. A good example of something that's really taking off is cyber. When I was in the business underwriting, cyber, even the last 20 years, was important to have but hard to sell. Now it's the fastest growing coverage, and it's because people are realizing it's real, and I think that's where we adapt to it. Yeah. We have to remember, at the end of the day, insurance is a byproduct of risk. So to some extent, new products might emerge, but in many respects, they're just derivations of old products. Some of the really exciting things are new risks. So as new risks emerge, so too will insurance products, in addition to delivering more traditional coverages in a less traditional way. Well, some great insights there. Thank you to you both. And finally, 2022, what are you most looking forward to? I think David actually touched on it. 2021 for Bolt can be defined as a transformational year. We now have a really solid foundation. We have a phenomenal team of people. We have the infrastructure built around all this transformation we did. So I'm really looking forward to kind of leaning into 2022 with some momentum, with some excitement, and most importantly, some great results. Wonderful. David. The beauty of transformation is uh, extreme success and execution. And we see all the ground work has been laid. I'm excited about that. I think we have um, a good solid sales team. We have a great customer team that works with the solid sales team. And we've unified all of our different groups to you know be in sync. So I think we're going to reap the benefits of a lot of hard work for the last couple of years. And to me, my hope is, is that, you know, shows not only in the revenue, but just really in people feeling like they're succeeding for the company. On that note, Jim, David, thank you so much. Thank you, Fiona. Thank you, Fiona, for the opportunity to catch up. And that ends our podcast. If you want to learn more, head to boltinsurance.com and do make sure you follow Bolt on LinkedIn because we'll be putting a load of bonus content on there as well. You've been listening to InsurTech Perspectives with Bolt. My name's Fiona Mattesini. Thanks for listening. <laughs>